Jerry Agar in for John Moore this morning. We'll puzzle it through. Actually, we'll puzzle it through till 2 o'clock this afternoon. It's going to be between me and Mark Toohey. So we might as well get started, Mark, early. <laughs> Absolutely, Jerry Agar. How are you? I'm well. Now, uh, before I get your comments here on the morning brief uh, regarding this education story, I made good use of my time the last couple of minutes. I had said we spend around $13,000 per student in Ontario. I don't know what the, the exact Ontario number is, but I just saw the budget for the TDSB is $3.4 billion. There are approximately 235,000 students in the Toronto District School Board. So that's about $14,500 per student on average that we spend on education and uh, overall in Ontario, the student body has not increased dramatically and certainly not at the rate that the amount of money and the number of people working in the system have increased. So I take great exception to Kristen Wong Tam saying we have violence in the TDSB school simply because we don't spend enough money. Well, you're absolutely right. And in fact, the uh, number of students in Ontario for decades was declining. And, uh, you know, that's statistically provable. But anybody who's lived in a neighborhood in Toronto where there's an argument constantly over, well, we want to close this school because there just aren't enough students to fill it anymore, uh, is well aware of the reason why it costs so much money is because we won't let the school board, despite its own protestations of amongst the school board staff that want to close schools so that they can focus the money where it's needed and improve the physical plant. Uh, yeah, you know, we don't manage education dollars particularly well in this province. There's far too many people have their hands in the pie. And I'm not talking about the teachers here, Jerry. I'm talking about the administrators, the trustees. Everybody needs to have a say in how the money gets spent. And having everybody get a say raises the costs. And it takes it away from other more important things like, oh, teaching. All right. So before we move on to some other topics here, why do you think there is resistance in the TDSB to bringing back the student resource officers? Nobody other than the TDSB and some activists wanted them gone in the first place. Well, I think it was by and large uh, a small group of people uh, who had an issue with it and uh, they had bad experiences with police and it was very difficult to take them on because they have a different life experience than you or I had. And so we were loath to sort of say, well, no, that's not everybody's experience. But I do think that we have to be careful. I'm not sure just putting police uh, school resource officers back into schools is going to be necessarily the fix because those officers in theory are there or were there to sort of introduce uh, students in a positive way to police officers in uniforms. It was a branding, a reputation building exercise and a community liaison outreach thing. They weren't there uh, per se to secure the students away from, you know, against threats. And so, you know, to put police officers in to sort of help help coach and, and create a positive relationship with, uh, you know, law enforcement is one thing to put them in there to be security guards to uh, prevent crime and violence is another thing. And those two streams, I think, might work well together, but there's an awful lot of 
potential issues if they cross. All right, but um, but in fact, having talked to student resource officers, they did do things like uh, some kid that they do get along with sidles up to them and tells them Locker 237 has a gun, uh, and you know they can deal with that. And so, for anybody who will say somebody wrote to me, explain why or how putting the resource officers back in will fix the problem, and my response was, you explained to me why violence exploded in the schools when the cops got taken out. Um, so we don't have an exact proof of cause and effect, but it's, you know, we took away street checks, violence increased on the streets. We took away cops in schools, violence increased in the schools. It's almost as though police are helpful. So let's talk about something else. Um, and that is the fight going on between the premier and various mayors, because the premier wants to take away development fees in order to hurry along the development of really badly needed housing in the province. And this from the premier talking about Mississauga Mayor Bonnie Crombie. I'm asking for a partnership with Mayor Crombie, Mayor Tory, all the other mayors. If we sit back and think some magical thing is going to happen, or you think when people come here we're going to start living in mud huts, it's not going to happen under our government. We want to work collaboratively, cooperatively with you, but we need to uh, get on board and, and start moving forward and stop the whining and complaining that I hear day in and day out. Stop whining. <laughs> so, so do uh, Crombie and Tory need to stop whining, Mark Tui? Uh, well, they, they are facing a challenge. And a development charges, just so that uh, everyone knows, because it took me a while to get my head around them when I worked at City Hall, development charges are one-time fees that developers pay in order to proceed with the construction of a new unit of something, whether it's commercial or residential. And so they might pay 25000 bucks per condo that they're going to build in a large condo building. And that money goes to the city so the city can pay for the connections that the extra sewer capacity that's required, the extra fire equipment that's required, all of the capital costs, those sort of one-time expenses. Then on an ongoing basis, they levy property taxes every year on those units in order to pay for the maintenance of them. But without that one-time capital injection from the development costs, actually building them in the first place is problematic. So the cities are going to face a problem if you suddenly just sort of say, well, these types of construction uh, no longer attract uh, development charges. That said, the Premier's point is that cities often do what he is suggesting, and I haven't checked this out to make sure that it's true, but he's suggesting that uh, Mississauga often waived or reduced the development charges for uh, commercial construction and residential construction in its downtown city centre that it wanted to create. So for policy reasons, they waived the fees, and his argument is, well, if you can do it so that you can have a city centre, we should be able to do it so that we can have affordable housing. We have all agreed affordable housing is the number one problem. Well, that is something that uh, Bonnie Crombie has to answer, but is it fair for the municipalities around the country to say to the province, um, okay, you have the power to take away the development fees, we want to see houses being built, but you need to make the cities whole, we still got to build sewers, etc. 
Yeah, I, I think that you still have to square the circle. There still needs to be money set aside. And the premier's sort of uh, charge uh, with Bonnie Crombie that, you know, while well, they've got hundreds of millions of dollars uh, salted away in reserve funds for development charges is probably true. But that doesn't necessarily uh, mean anything because that's how cities have to do their budgeting in order to pay the future costs of the, uh, the money that they have to, uh, you know, they take the development charges today but the sewer doesn't actually get fully constructed until five years from now when the units come online. So they need to store that money somewhere so they can have it when they need it. All right. Now, we only have a minute or so, and I'm going to jump to kind of the goofy topic here that's on our list. And, uh, you know, Mark, Mark Tui, we're going long, you and me, um, handling things between us uh, from now until 2 o'clock this afternoon. Um, but we're not, we're not the tallest people in Ontario, you and me. And so now a new report came out. Scientists say short man syndrome is a thing. The Daily Mail in the UK reports a study discovered shorter men tend to be more narcissistic to appear more powerful. Yeah, I've, I, I can certainly uh, you know bring anecdotal evidence uh, to the field. I'm not sure. Uh, this study seems to have done some quantitative uh, uh, evaluation, so suggesting that it's true. Uh, anybody who's ever watched a guy hop out of one of those jacked up uh, you know pickup trucks that are you know lifted six feet up into the air on uh, on suspensions that have been you know bolstered uh, can recognize very quickly that they're very almost never. Never in my entire life, I don't think, have I ever seen a tall man get out of a jacked-up truck. <laughs> all right. Thank Mark Tui will be back at some point later this morning. We're still trying to work all that out, but um, good to have you this morning. Thank you very much. Cheers, Jerry. All right. Jerry Agar in for John Moore. No reason. Show the people got.